Hello everyone, welcome back to Nine Lives, episode nine, 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 it's crazy, <laughs> I can't believe it, got two episodes left until the end of season one, which is nuts, and honestly, I could never have imagined or ever have dreamed of the reception that this podcast has had, so I am so, so glad to hear just so much lovely positive feedback. It's been a beautiful journey for me. It's been incredible for my confidence. And it's been lovely, I think, for us all to get to know each other a little bit better because I'm a real human being with things to say. And it's lovely um, that so many of you find solace and comfort in these little little works of art I put out. <laughs> works of art podcasts. Um, also, Thank you for the feedback on last week's episode. I'm so glad it landed with so many of you and I hope that that could have been a nice way for you to decide to, f decide to focus on yourself, on your dreams, pour your energy into your own cup instead of comparing yourself because we're all so beautiful in our own ways and I'm so glad that through this podcast you're all starting to learn that, which is amazing. I'm so, so, so glad. Um... So I am three days away, no, I am one, two, yeah, three days away from my first ever ultra marathon. Oh Lord, um, I have so much energy right now. I am wound up like a spring because I'm currently doing my taper, which means no running uh, and loads of carbohydrates. <laughs> I have so much energy right now. So I'm just like raring to go. I'm gonna be like a racehorse out the blocks, even though I'm really not, I'm gonna pace myself calm and cool and collected um, and I'm just really excited I have to say I really prioritized my mental health this training block um, and I just feel really calm I feel really groovy I feel really at peace with myself at the moment I'm just like this is who I am this is what I'm doing I feel really in the flow I just feel like everything's working out and it's just yeah it's a magic time in my life I'm not gonna lie I uh, I really I've really turned a corner recently, so I'm just feeling great and I'm really excited to dig deep, go to the pain cave, collect some gems, learn something and then, you know, continue on with the next adventure. So that being said, this episode is going to be a QA. and a um, I haven't done one before and I obviously, you know, you guys have so many questions and so many beautiful, thoughtful, wonderful, intelligent, funny great questions and I've collected a bunch of them so some of them are going to be quick fire some of them I'll go into a little bit more in depth um, I've collated things that I think people have asked a few times so that you know your most FAQs get answered as well so let's just hop right in question number one comes from the notorious EG how did you meet your partner <laughs> which seemed to be uh, a recurring question. So I met Joe, um, his grandma set us up. So I, I had just been, well, I had decided I didn't want to ever date again, ever again. I never wanted to be with another man. I had decided it was me against the world, me and my runs, me and my spiritual journey. No one was invited. <laughs> so I got Cowboy, my dog, and there's a park in London called Richmond Park, big lovely green space. And 
in Richmond Park, there is a dog walking group and the leader of that dog walking group is Joe's grandma. So I brought Cowboy to meet her one sunny morning in lockdown and she was like, lovely dog, lovely dog. But are you single? I was like, yeah, single. Yes, I am. She was like, well, you should meet my grandson. You know, my grandson, he's single. He's, you know, he's lovely. And I was like, no, don't want to. <laughs> End of story. Move on. She was like, oh, OK, well, at least can I tell you about him? And I was like, all right, go on. She was like, well, you know, he's a tall biking looking guy who lift weights and looks after venomous reptiles. And I was like, all right, <laughs> say no more. I'll meet him. That's that sounds unusual and great um, into nature, into, you know, physical exercise. Um, so the next time I went to Richmond Park, they had kind of organized a bit of a surprise meet. And Joe and I were uh, in the park at the same time without realizing that my mother and his mother had decided we would meet that day. And we met in the car park and he just crouched down to say hi to Cowboy. And I was like, that's the most beautiful man I've ever seen in my life. I would, okay. Uh, I got really nervous and ran away with my mum <laughs> after introducing myself. Uh, so that was the first time we met. Second time we met, we had organized to go for an actual walk. And then, yeah, he got my number after that walk. Uh, we just clicked instantly. Like he's a very spiritual, very calm very grounding very strong person he's a very unusual man I've never met anyone as kind and selfless and patient and funny and he's just everything I could ever want in in a partner and he just flipped my world upside down because I really had given up on love and given up on trust and given up on kindness I think because I as a person I I am generous to a fault. You know, I'd give someone the last fiver in my bank account and I've been taken advantage of a lot in relationships. And to meet someone as generous and loving as Joe and thoughtful as Joe just reinstated my hope and faith for the world. And so that's how we met. His grandma set us up, which is so beautiful um, and a lovely little story. And he's amazing. And we're getting married. <laughs> Um, so all very exciting. Okay, next question. Uh, have you ever thought about doing UTMB? Looks insane. Yes, I have. I think about it every day. <laughs> UTMB, for those who don't know, is Ultra Trail de Mont Blanc, which is a trail race in Chamonix. I believe it's 130 miles. <laughs> and it's crazy. If you don't know Courtney DeWalter, look her up. She's a a, a female uh, ultra athlete and she just won UTMB for like the third year in a row. It looks absolutely beautiful. I would just love to do that race. I know they have s shorter races within the weekend. So I think there's like a 15K and a 50 miler. I think I might have that wrong. I'm very aware that I will most likely before I do go into that level of endurance sports, I have to have my loose skin removed, which is something I'm thinking about doing just purely for performance stuff. Um, so that will have to happen before I do UTMB. I also want to do Hard Rock 100. I also want to do an Ironman. So those are things to do after that next chapter of my life. Um, 
but it's exciting to have a goal to work towards and to have those things on the horizon. So if I do ever go ahead with surgery, I think when I'm recovering, it will be a lovely thing to think of like, right, I've done this thing and now, you know, and I've done it for a reason. So yes, I have thought about doing UTMB. Okay, <clears throat> Sean says, do you worry that you will go back to your old habits? Um, this question, this is one I had a lot about relapse and old habits and old lifestyle and going back to the way that I lived before and the answer is no honestly um like I have been given a second chance by my new habits and my new lifestyle and I have no interest in falling back into self-harming patterns and because I've done the work and my impulse control is now at a place where I don't reach for food or alcohol or cigarettes to feel good. My routines are just, it doesn't allow for that. There were tiny, tiny little parts throughout my journey, and I touched on this in the last podcast, where I did have little relapse moments. And, you know, there were nights where I was a bit stupid or, um, you know, I self-soothed with food or I wasn't very nice to myself. But... I don't worry about going back to old habits because there's no space for them anymore in my lifestyle. And I think that's a really beautiful thing that to know that anyone can create a life that has no space for those self-harming lives, for those self-harming habits. It's completely within your grasp to create a really happy, safe, lovely life away from that. And you can completely recover. You can. It is possible. It's just about one day at a time but also knowing that when you do have those little setbacks that it's not an ending it is just a chance to try again and they'll happen they will happen it's inevitable but it doesn't mean that you have to throw the towel in and decide that that's the end it's just you get to try again just with a more educated view okay Kira who I Kira she's lovely she's a we we chat a lot <laughs> shout out Kira What's the most exciting thing happening in your life right now? Um, oh my God, so many things. I'd say number one would be, I hopefully, fingers crossed, I'm going to have a house in about a month, which is insane coming from being in really bad debt three years ago to now having my own property is like crazy. So that's probably the most exciting thing because that's something I never, ever imagined, ever. If I think about Cassia four or five years ago, lying in bed, surrounded by takeaway food, cigarette butts, empty bottles of alcohol, I mean, no way. <laughs> A house? No way. But it just goes to show with tiny, tiny, tiny changes, tiny changes, huge things happen huge things happen and I was the most unlikely person I mean unlikely to ever do this so it just goes to show um and I saved up by myself I did it myself all by myself <laughs> it's oh it's crazy it's crazy so that's probably the most exciting second most exciting is that I'm writing a book um which is going to be an adult kids book <laughs> bear with me an adult's children's book so a children's book for adults all about creating a new lifestyle for yourself all about the journey it's going to have 
journal, journaling within it, shadow work, inner child work. Um, but it's also going to be illustrated by me. So I'm really excited about that. That's been a huge thing that I've been working on. And I think it's going to be a really lovely thing for people to be able to engage with and learn and learn about themselves. So that's probably the two most exciting things, bar the ultra. That's obviously very exciting, but also terrifying. So, okay. Uh, Lowry, I hope I'm saying that right, says, do you have any advice on finding the right coach to work with? Thanks, heart. Love you. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm going to choose my words carefully on this one. Coaching and online coaching is a pretty unregulated space. And the one thing you should look for in a coach is they should be walking the walk and they should be talking the talk. Is this person living and emanating the lifestyle that you want to have? Is this person a professional? Are they qualified? Do you resonate with them? Have they been through the struggle that you're trying to get through? A level of professionalism in the way that they handle themselves, they handle their business, but also they refer outwards. If they're a personal trainer, like I'm a personal trainer, I can't handle eating disorders. I refer out. I have a counselor that can handle that. We have a separate program for people who are suffering with that. I'm not an injury specialist. I have two coaches who can handle injuries. I, as much as I love running and I am a running coach, I know that I needed someone who was more professional. So I have, you know, Finn, who's the incredible running specialist. It's about finding someone that you gel with, but someone who represents what you want from life. It's very, very easy for influencers to sell programs, generic programs that are probably very helpful to some people who just need a little bit of a hand up and a little bit of a guidance, but if you're looking for that one-to-one -one support and to be with someone, look for someone who represents everything that you want in your life. And maybe someone friendly, that would be nice too. Um, so that would be my advice for finding the right coach. Okay, Kira, again, what's your performance goal for after your ultra is done? I, okay. <laughs> I have decided that I'm starting Mai Tai and I'm going to fight <laughs> in public. So that's the performance goal after. Um, I've always wanted to try combat sports. My fiance uh, has been into combat sports his whole life. He's a, more of a power lifter now, but I've always wanted to try Mai Tai, Thai boxing, kickboxing. Um, so that is what I'm doing after and I will be doing a public fight. <laughs> So I'm going to do a fight camp and I mean, this is provided that I like it and I, you know, gel with it and that it, and you know, but I have, you know, a lot of strength. I've got really good endurance. I'm pretty fit and I think I would do well in combat sports. Um, so that is the plan for after the ultra is to settle into that, which is going to be really, really fun. So I'm excited for that. Okay. Did you smoke? especially when drinking. I have so much health guilt about my past. <laughs> Girl, me too, honestly. Well, not guilt. I think it's really, really important not to lean on the guilty feeling. You really, really have to try and release that because what's done is done. We can't live in the past. We only have the now. So yeah, I smoked heavily. I mean, I smoked for 10 years. I started smoking when I was 14. Um, still remember my first cigarette outside Turnham Green Station. It was a Roly. Um, and I'll go into this in next week's episode because I'm going to talk all about smoking, drinking, hair loss, everything. Um, 
but I was, yeah, I smoked heavily for 10 years uh, at one point, sort of like 40 a day at uni. That was like peak, then 20 a day, 10 a day. Um, I did start to cut down during the beginning of my journey just because I was naturally replacing habits with other things. So I didn't really have like the time to smoke as much. Whereas before I'd like take a lot of breaks to have a cigarette. I just didn't have that time to have a cigarette. So that naturally happened. And then running is what really, really helped me um, with cutting down on smoking because I just couldn't get past a 5K without dying. And I was like, well, really, are you going to smoke for the rest of your life or do you want to do this thing? So I'll talk in depth next week about that. But yes, I, I was a heavy smoker for 10 years. Ali says, can you talk a little more about your ranch cowgirl dreams? Um, yeah. I love these questions. This is so much fun for me to do this. Um, so I grew up riding horses. Um, it was my biggest passion. I was an equestrian, did show jumping. Um, I, I loved it. I loved it, loved it, loved it. And I grew up also obsessed with Westerns. I had a family member very close to me who has passed away now, but he introduced me to uh, all the old Western films, the Western soundtracks. We had a little song, um, which, oh, fuck it, I'll sing it for you. <laughs> so we used to do this thing where we go, cowboy stew, cowboy stew, cowboy stew, get ready for the guns. <laughs> Howdy, ma'am. So anyway, we had that little dance and I just have always loved Western culture, cowboys, spirits down in the Cimarron, everything. And I just feel like I'm called to that lifestyle, like to work with horses, to be in nature, to work on the land like that. It's a total fantasy. I'm very aware of this. I know that actual ranching is hard work, like really hard work. But one day, if I ever have the resources and I ever have the time, I would love to buy some land somewhere far away from everyone get a couple horses. Joe will rescue animals. He works in conservation. He's a herpetologist. And I mean, his job is rescuing animals, saving species. He's actually a real life superhuman, superhero. And just live and exist with animals and just have a lovely time in nature. That's I, if I grow old, surrounded by animals on a ranch with a view of the mountains and a porch to have my coffee on in the morning I will be a very very happy person that's that's all I'd need um maybe like an old busted up pickup truck and a couple dogs but I yeah that's that to me is that's the dream <laughs> I know I will have made it so that's my little ranch dream okay Bex asks what is your family background and how did you end up in England? Sending love from Ireland. Sending love right back. Whoop, whoop, Ireland. Okay. My mum is Scottish. Uh, she comes from a, a wee town called Porty Ferry, uh, which is just outside Dundee by the seaside. Gorgeous little place. I feel happiest, happiest, happiest when I'm in Porty Ferry, um, running by the sea. And it's just Scotland is such a dear place to me. My dad is from Belfast. He is Northern Irish. I love Belfast. Granted, I haven't been back since I was a party monster. So I would love to go back and see the countryside and do some running and see it from a, a <laughs> sober lens. That would be very nice because, God, I used, to, I used to party it up out there in Belfast and anyone who knows uh Belfast I, I went to Kelly Sellers a lot <laughs> that place is nuts anyway 
I digress. So my mom is Scottish, my dad is Irish, I'm full Celt. Uh, we have uh, Spanish on my mom's side, so she has quite dark features, which I do too. Dark hair, dark eyes, olive skin, um, a tan very easily. Uh, so that's probably why people people are always like, you're not Scottish, you're not Irish. I'm like, I am, I promise I am. Um, so I grew up in Scotland and in England. Moved back to England when I was uh, 12 years old, yes. Um, I had a really thick Scottish accent when I came here. And I went to a school and I just lost it. I don't know. I think people weren't so nice about my accent. So I ended up just having this very like well-spoken English accent that I get taken the piss out of by my relatives. But <laughs> um, so, yeah, I did have a Scottish accent. And sometimes it comes out if I'm with my family uh, or it used to be if I had a drink, it would uh, it would it would come out. But, yeah, that is. um that is the story of where I am from. But I was born in London, so technically I am a Londoner through and through. Okay, Phoebe asks, I've always wanted to know, any plans for more tattoos? Story of the current ones. So, yeah, tattoos. <laughs> I'm Obviously, I have quite a lot of tattoos. I forget that I have them because I've had them for so long. I started getting tattooed when I was like 17 years old, which was just hand in hand with the whole party rock and roll lifestyle. Um, I don't know if I'd get any other ones, any big ones. I definitely... <laughs> It's a funny old one. I've got no great need to be tattooed anymore. I would say half of my tattoos, half of the reason why was I was covering up pieces of my body and I was using them as a bit of an armor for some insecurities. Half of it was I just have a great appreciation for tattoo artists and art and the culture. So kind of half and half. A lot of my alternative identity was tied to me putting up a bit of a shield. But I suppose I have a lot of numbers. So um, I've got 810 on my hand, which is uh, for one of my favorite bands, King 810. It's the area code for Flint, Michigan. I have it on my hand because I was absolutely rip-roaring drunk. I have it matching with my best friend. We got it in Brighton. A lot of my tattoos, I got drunk. So... <laughs> I have 237 on my finger, which is the room from The Shining, uh, Stephen King, which is one of my favorite books ever, ever, ever. And then the Kubrick film, one of my favorite films ever. So 237 on my finger for that. Um, 1111, which I have matching with my fiance, because that's our lucky number. Um, then <laughs> the whole of my left arm, I pretty much got drunk. <laughs> so I have some stupid tattoos, but... I have a cactus because cowboys. I've got a bat matching with my bestie Tash. I've got an axe. I've got Valhalla. Don't remember having that tattooed. Got that in Glasgow. Uh, I have a church because goth stuff. This arm, this is more beautiful. This, this piece here, this is a big deer. We all know the deer means so much to me. So this is a big deer with thistles and Scottish wildflowers. And I got this for my uncle when he passed away. Just a little reminder of where I'm from and where he's from and the, the strength of the stag. Um, I also have an admiral butterfly on the back of my arm. Um, admiral butterflies represent my grandma and my uncle. Um, whenever I... I've had big moments in my life where admirals have 
just appeared. I always see them and I see them in different countries and they've always come and landed near me. I see them on runs. I see them on walks. I see them with cowboy. I, I They're always, when I need them, I see an admiral and I know that that's my grandma or my uncle. Um, yeah, so that's why I have that little butterfly there. Got a skull because rock and roll. <laughs> this was the first tattoo I ever had, which is another stag skull. Big one for a first tattoo, jeez. I mean, crazy. Just got some flowers and other stuff, just random bits. So that's sort of it, really. Um, I don't really have any plans for any big tattoos. Sometimes I go through phases. I'm like, I want to have a back piece, a massive back piece. And then sometimes I'm like, I want them all lasered off. So I don't know. Um, I just forget I have them. But yeah, maybe, maybe. I definitely want to get a 42.2 marathon you know and then 50 when I do this one so maybe I'll start just doing those um but yeah that's the story of my tattoos not sure if I've got any plans for any big ones we'll see we'll see okay Colette hello Colette she asks who got you into your music taste and who are your top three artists <laughs> I well I guess I got myself into my music taste I I've always loved metal um like since being little I guess my gateway drug was My Chemical Romance I was obsessed with My Chemical Romance Broadway Frank Iero obsessed Frank Iero was my first crush I know everything about that man no well but Gerard was great because he 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 reminded me a lot of myself just in the way that like he was very into comic books, very into art. And I really loved the Umbrella Academy and I loved my chemical romance for the theatrics of it. Cause I was also a theater kid growing up drama kid. Um, and I just loved everything it, it encompassed. It was so creative and emotional and emotive. And I just thought the black parade was from start to finish a masterpiece. So then from MCR, I then got into, you know, the classic metal, like, Black Sabbath, Pink Floyd, like, you know, Metallica. Then I went really like into Swedish death battle, um, which now I can't, I listen to lo-fi and jazz now. Like I'm, <laughs> I can't do that stuff anymore. Unless I'm like trying to do like really heavy weights, then I'll put the metal on. Cause I'm just like, um, but no, I got myself into my music taste. Um, and latterly I listened to a lot of country, more sort of folky stuff. Cult of War being a big one that I'm into at the moment. Um, I have a very eclectic music taste, very eclectic. But um, yeah, I just got into it myself. I was just a little goth kid who, you know, felt very alone and found a lot of solace in the darkness of MCR, really. And I think a lot, a lot of you listening probably will have had the same journey. Okay, Essie says, where do you see yourself in 10 years? Um, in 10 years, I'll be 40. Oh my God. Which doesn't scare me at all because my best friend is 40 and my business manager is 40 and they're the coolest people I know. So 40 is the new 20, um, in my opinion. In 10 years, I, I, hope I, I, hope I've, I hope I've helped a lot of people I want to start a charity. I want to start um, being able to offer resources for free for people. So counseling resources, um, exercise resources. Um, I, I just, I have a lot of ideas for community that, that I want to do pro bono. So I hope that I'm in a position one day to be able to do that. 
And I hope that by 40, I will have done that. And I hope that the foundation I start helps a lot of people. I hope to be in a place that's like happy and healthy and, and still running. And, and, and I hope my family's happily, happy and healthy and, and Joe and I are together and maybe we have some kids and maybe we don't. We're definitely going to have a lot of dogs. <laughs> maybe I'll be on a ranch. But I just hope, I hope I've helped as many people as I can in the 10 years. I, that's all I hope for. That really is all I hope for. Um, yeah. So that's where I see myself in 10 years. And also crazy that I can even have, that I even see that. Like that's so lovely to think because when you haven't seen a future for a long time, it, it is, it's always nice to be like, wow, I'm going to be alive <laughs> and healthy and happy. And so that's, it's a beautiful thing to think about. Um, okay. Next question. Do you have any advice on starting a business with limited funds? P.S. You are a superstar. P.S. You are a superstar. You're a superstar. Thank you for the question. Yes, I do have some advice on this. So I didn't have any funds <laughs> starting the business. Um, I, so, okay, technical, technical advice on this. If you're looking to start a business nowadays, the main thing that you're going to have to think about is overheads. And the amazing thing, the time that we live in now, is e-commerce, meaning scaling and growing through social media or online businesses, is bigger and better than ever. It's where people, it's so many people are starting businesses this way. And that brings your overheads to pretty much zero at the beginning. So the beginning of my journey was, business journey, was starting my Instagram and that was free you know that was completely free and I just was consistent with it built the community that I have um and then as my profit margin grew so as my my client base grew I was then able to take a portion of that profit margin and reinvest into the business so you know hiring uh coaches or team managers or social media people but to begin with, it was a very small overhead because I all I was doing was paying for the platform I was using. So my advice, if you are anyone with any job or any passion project, whether that's an artist, a dog walker, whatever it is, start on social media there. I mean, it's crazy what you can achieve on socials um, and don't be discouraged when it doesn't work because it won't work for a while and then you just need that one thing to catch and it's like wildfire wild what I can't speak today it's like wildfire um so that is my advice there are no overheads on social media to begin with so try that way try that way it's an amazing way to start a small business and scale it into a big business so that would be my advice Natalie asks, how buzzing are you for Red Dead 3? I can't sleep. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm so excited. We're replaying Red Dead Redemption 2 at the moment. Um, and I just can't wait. It that game, I logged so many hours on that game in my deep depression. Arthur Morgan probably saved my life, <laughs> along with John Marston. So yeah, I'm buzzing beyond belief for that game. So excited. Okay. A little bit more of a serious question now. Nat asks, have you ever experienced any anorexic tendencies after losing a lot of weight? I got a lot of questions like this and same thing about orthorexia and 
I guess people want to know the other side of coming from binging to now this. Um, so no, I, I haven't experienced anything like that. I, I have always loved food and I've always had a big appetite and I, 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 I just can't restrict food. I just haven't, I, I just, I'm not that kind of, I don't come from that kind of background, but also the way that I moved through my journey, being through therapy and intuitive eating and not creating fear foods and not excluding things from my diet. So whether that be carbohydrates, chocolate, ice cream, you know, I've had everything in moderation. So there's nothing that's off limits and nothing that creates a source of scarcity or fear in me. So I have never leaned the other way because I've never felt the need to because I'm, you know, fueling and happy. But I also don't I don't tie my worth and my happiness and my results to the size of my body or what my body looks like. I'm very focused on my uh, mental health, the longevity of my of my life, uh, my ability to be a good partner, a good coach, um, but also my performance. And for me to do all of those things, I need to eat and I need to eat well. So I've I've never I've, I've never struggled with that sort of thing. I mean, I get really foggy headed if I don't eat enough and I hate that feeling. So I have never struggled with that. Um, if you are struggling with that and you are having problems with restriction or uh, tendencies towards that sort of area, please reach out for help. Tell someone that you're struggling. Um, it is not the answer. Restriction is is not the answer to a happy, joyful life. Okay. Esther asks, one not fitness related project you would like to work on in 2024? I think that would be the book um, that I'm writing. That's a very exciting one. Um, a lot of people know that I'm very into journaling. Um, and I'm also, I used to illustrate uh, creature design and uh, little comic books. And I think putting those two together, I won't give too much away, but a little storybook comic book journaling thing that's going to take you through a journey to getting to know yourself better. That's a project I'm very excited about. Can you talk more about how your fitness journey impacts your grief journey, losing a loved one? So, yeah, the two are very tied together for me. I, I, I was thinking about this in France, so I think it's all right. I talk about this. I think, I think it's, I think it's fine. But I, I lost my uncle four years ago. No, a little bit longer. A little bit longer. Um, the one I was talking about with the uh, the cowboy song. Um, so he was like, we were very, we had a very special relationship and I'm, yeah, I'm still like kind of dealing with it, I think. But I had, before I started this journey, had a tendency to avoid. I was very avoidant. So I would drink it away. I would, you know, dance it away. I would eat it away. I would smoke it away, but I wouldn't feel it. And when he died, everything got worse because I just needed to push it down and ignore it. And when I'm out running, there is this certain stillness, especially when I'm not listening to music and I just hear my breath and the sound of my feet that allows my brain somehow to process thought and process emotion in a way I've never been able to do before. It's like there's this space that exists that is hanging away from time and space where only I exist and only my thoughts exist. 
And I truly, I have grieved my uncle through every run I've done. Like, and I was thinking this in France, like I just am able to have that space to think about it and think about him in a really lovely way and make peace with it. And I think that movement has really, really allowed that for me. And also there's a lot of <coughs> anger for me in that grief for for some reasons. And uh, lifting weights has helped me deal with that as well. And obviously doesn't replace talk therapy you have to talk about your feelings whether that be with therapist family friend whatever but but the stillness that movement has given me uh, yeah that's how I've processed my grief and I know a lot of people I know a lot of runners uh run for people they've lost I mean I get messages every day saying I'm running my first marathon for my mom I lost my mom I lost my dad I lost my sister and I'm running for them and I think like yeah it's just so beautiful and I can t I can tell I can tell you from experience that it, it helps you process it because also it makes you feel alive and I think when you lose someone you die a little bit inside but that can bring you back and you feel so fucking alive and it's just so beautiful so yeah that's how that's how it's helped me with my with my grieving okay <laughs> straight back into the fun questions <laughs> oh, we're jumping around a bit today apologies everyone uh, what are your star, moon, and rising signs? So I'm a Sagittarius. Um, I'm a very, I'm such a Sag, honestly. Oh God, my moon is Pisces, which <laughs> go figure, very emotional. Um, and my rising is Leo. But yeah, so I'm Sag, Sun, Pisces, Moon, Leo, rising. And I'm pretty to a T that, I would say. I definitely have a Sagittarius soul. That's the one that I would say I relate to the most. But also Leo too, because I'm such a drama kid. And my Pisces just for all my feelings. Um, yeah, those are my signs. Catty says Metallica or Sabbath? I can't answer this question. I will combust. Oh, Christ. Metallica. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Metallica. Yes. Sorry, Sabbath. Okay. Orsa says, if you weren't a coach, what career do you think you'd be in? So I worked in film before um, and I loved it, but I it wouldn't be the career I'd go for now. If I was to not be a coach, but I was to be me now after this journey, I would work with horses. So I definitely work. Um, maybe I do like animal therapy or working with people who are suffering with their mental health through horses and through animals I think I'd be a really good riding instructor honestly I would love that um or maybe I'd own a stable I think anything with horses anything with animals um that would be what I'd do Zozi asks what is your favorite Studio Ghibli film Princess Mononoke I love that film I love her. I love her white wolf. I love her mask. I love her resilience. I love her strength. I love the soundtrack. I love that they go after the horrible people with the iron and the forest spirit comes back and reclaims nature. I just love it. It's such a beautiful film. If you haven't watched it, please watch Princess Mononoke. Okay. Life of Phoebe asks, what is your wedding theme? <laughs> Colors. Okay, so I'm not going to say too much because I'm going to honestly milk the wedding content because I just feel like we're all in it together. So it's going to be so nice. But let's just say Lord of the Rings, Arwen with her little crown. Maybe we'll be married in some ruins somewhere in a field. Who knows? Um, main thing about my wedding is I just want it to be 
very natural, very low key, just all about love. No big shows, no big white dress, just something very simple, something very plain and fun and just all about love. And really more than anything, I want my wedding to be about my mates. I want to be able to give my friends, you know, a couple days of celebrations and really, really spoil them. That's what I want. And my family, of course, that's what I want my wedding to be because we're all very busy nowadays and it would be lovely to just have three days with them where I just spoiled them rotten. That's, that's my aim for the wedding is to make everyone feel great. Okay. Last question. Fia asks, how has Cowboy supported your wellness journey? My dog has changed my life. That's so sweet. Cowboy's changed my life. Cowboy came at the exact right moment. I had one foot in this, one foot in this, and one foot at the pub. (laughs) And when Cowboy came along, he was a puppy. So I had to give up a lot of time to looking after that animal. He taught me how to be really disciplined, how to put other things first. Um, he also kept me in like he, he, you know, I had to get home to the dog. I couldn't be out for three days partying. I had a thing that I was caring for and keeping alive. He also got me out every morning on a walk without fail, but he taught me unconditional love. He taught me patience and he just taught me fun. He's such a fun dog. Like we have such a laugh together, me and him in lockdown, we were just vibing it was the best time ever he's such a goofy little critter and he taught me just the joys and he came we I got him in spring and I always say he's the joys of spring he really is he's just jumping and howling and just he's such a goofy goober and he teaches me to not take life so seriously and to run and jump and dance and fall over and be covered in mud that is cowboy so that is what cowboy has taught me in my journey so I'm gonna end the podcast with a poem, which I'm gonna start doing um, because someone did ask, what is your favorite poem? And I thought, what a beautiful thing to share some poetry with you at the end of every podcast. Um, I think that would be a lovely way to wrap it up. Uh, So this poem is a beautiful one um, and it's all about hope. Hope is a powerful thing, it's the most powerful thing. And I always say, always hope, that's my favorite thing. Hope, hope, hope. Um, But this is by Emily Dickinson, and this is called Hope is the Thing with Feathers. Hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. The sweetest in the gale is heard and sore must be the storm that could abash the little bird that kept so many warm. I've heard it in the chillest lands and on the strangest seas, yet never in extremity it asked a crumb of me. So with that... I'll leave you. Next podcast, I will have run my ultra. My gosh. So wish me luck. Oh, God. It's going to be great. It's going to be fun. Um, Next episode will be, yeah, talking about my alcohol and addictions. Um, Probably going to be a bit of a deep one. But, you know, this has been a really, this has been a lovely one. This has been a nice, fun, bit of a lighthearted one. Had some bit of emotional moments in there but it's me and I'm always emotional so go figure love you all thank you so much for listening I look forward to next week's episode um any feedback any other questions as always I'm an open book let me know love to you all speak soon